Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Hey guys, so today we have a great guest. We have Miss Julie Holly. So Julie is a successful real estate investor that started helping others house hack single family homes before it got its name. She has gone from teacher to managing nearly 300 multifamily assets from 1,000 plus miles away and is the creator of the podcast, Ask Me How I Know. So let's dive right in and learn from Julie how we can get our mindset right. Let's go. So, hey, Julie, thanks for joining us today. How's it going? It is going abundantly well, even though up on the Canadian border, it's August, it's rainy and cold. <laughs> uh, yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Well, hey, yeah, it could, yeah. It, it could be worse. I'm here in quarantine in, in Tokyo, so at least you can get out and about. Exactly. You see? And I'm just receiving that there's rain falling upon forest fires. I'm just going to find all the silver linings. But things are great. There you go. So what what are you working on nowadays? What have you been working on recently? Oh, my goodness. Well, right now I'm working on um, a really incredible deal in Atlanta. Getting, getting, having a hard time there in Columbus, Ohio. So if anybody has any tips, please reach out to me via LinkedIn. Um, but we just got beat out just by a smidge on another LOI there. And I'm actually putting together, doing some legwork for a hotel conversion. Initially it was going, I was thinking I'd convert it into micro apartments. Um, and now I've, you know, partnered up with somebody in that same area and we're considering condos. So I'm waiting on blueprints for those. And get this, we still haven't submitted an LOI because it's just a matter of, does this even make sense? So we're trying to get all the costs and doing the legwork before we we do too much more. Okay, and you said that's conversion, right? Yes, yes. So that would be, it's a 1960s hotel um, with 68 rooms to it. And um, it's in a prime location in a resort community where they are having housing shortages. So it's a really good opportunity. But as we all know, <laughs> it's only a good opportunity if the numbers make sense. <laughs> Definitely. And have you, have you done those type of conversions before? No, I've never done this type of conversion before. Um, and I was very particular. I live in this area. Um, however, I don't have the depth of connections. And so partnering up with someone else who has um, a construction background and a depth of connections um, when it gar- regarding the construction elements and such, um, as well as the real estate elements, was really important. I finally unearthed that person. And this is a project I've been talking to lots of people about trying to get input since I haven't done it. I, th- I believe that when you haven't done something that creates a ginormous liability and it's partner up with the people that are filling in all of the gaps because passion and vision is not enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Know-how is a must to have as well. Definitely. 
So, Julie, tell me a little bit about um, how you got into real estate investment. Wow. Well, aside from being raised in residential real estate, um, I went from the residential space to commercial space, honestly, via my robotics team. So I, my, my junior robotics team that I launched um, in the small town where I live just to help them um, explore different ideas for a, a bigger picture, right? To be globally competitive and, and things like that. Um, they were invited to the world championship and show, which is in Houston, Texas. So imagine Canadian border, Houston, Texas, so it's quite a distance away for, for second and third graders. Yes. And I was able to uh, fundraise all of the funds for these, this team to go. And that was funds to pay for a student. Mind you, they're like seven, eight, nine years old. So it was a student with a parent fully funded and, at the same time, I was researching new investment strategies because my husband and I said there has to be a better way than single family. And this collision moment happened where I'm listening to Bigger Pockets and I catch Money Calm explaining real estate syndication. And I realized I just syndicated my team's trip down to Texas. Right. There were the, the ROI was not monetary for the investors, right? The, the ROI was investing in the future in the next generation, but you know, different than real estate. But that same concept applied is that, you know, when you have something of value, you can really serve people well, be it serving um, children and empowering them for their future, or if you are empowering investors. And so that was really the genesis moment of getting into real estate syndication. Okay, and so the robotics teams, you've opened up a whole another thing. So how, what's going on with the robotics team? How did that come about? Well, the, honestly, uh, when we moved to this small town and I went back to teaching in the public school classroom, I had taken time off to be with my own children and to, you know, I was helping my husband with uh, residential real estate and such. Um, and moving into this area, having come from California and Denver, Colorado, I knew, I just feel like these children are disadvantaged. <laughs> they don't have the same amenities that kids in cities have, but I had um, awareness of those and experience with those through my, my son's homeschooling activities. And so I thought if I'm going to go back to this um go teach in this setting, I want to give them something that can really empower their future and allow them to stay in the small town and work remotely. I don't know. You never know. Sky's the limit when you give people um, knowledge, learning and things like that. So that was the impetus was I rolled out a three-year plan. I wrote grants and was able to secure all of the devices. And uh, then I implemented it to where all the second grade kids got to learn and experience robotics. And then the third year, I actually rolled out the, um, the program. We actually joined the first um, league and competed. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Sounds really yeah, amazing. it was Right, right. So there's a business plan involved in it. I didn't even know. I was, you know, this educator at the, you know, at the moment, an educator, but there is a business plan at play. You know, there are these direct correlations to what I do as a syndicator. So it's it's really neat to make some of those connections. And I encourage anyone listening, whatever you, occupation you are in, there are direct correlations 
to real estate syndication. And if you need help finding those, I help people do that. Okay, excellent. And I know you also have your um, your company, Three Keys Investments. Um, I sure. So how did that name come about, first of all? Oh, um, I have a very philosophical side and, and I like to take things deeper in life. So three for me, um, my faith, uh, the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Um, that was important for me just to keep my focus. And then as well as I'm a third generation realtor. So um, it's nice to be able to contemplate and look back upon all of the advice that my grandpa poured into me, all of the wisdom my dad gave me and the example that they led and the path they paved before me just in real estate alone and the doors they opened in entrepreneurship and that, that ability to think in an entrepreneurial way. So looking back at that, the generational and honestly, seriously, three, think about this. Most things happen type of person, but I realized that by the time you do something three times, you know, if you, you like it, love it, or never want to do it again. And so I have a series of threes where, you know, I'll, I'll have three bites. I'll try something three times. Let me just make sure I'm doing something. So the number three is really, really special. Um, if you look at the logo, it's really important to me as well, because I really want to help people find their freedom. I want to emancipate them from their financial shackles and from fear and from anything that's holding them back in their life so that they can be free. So our logo has a bird outside the bird cage. <laughs> I love that. I love that logo. So and one thing I like a lot about you, Julie, I know you, you talk a lot about um, mindset and motivation. Um, did you have mentors and coaches as you went through your growth period that helped you develop that mindset? Man, I've been so blessed with amazing people throughout my entire life. Um, so I've gone through a lot of challenges in my life. And through those challenges, God's always provided amazing people who've already been there, done that in different capacities that have poured, taken time and poured into me and supported me. And support doesn't mean necessarily shoulder to cry on, but you know, we all need someone who has been our trailblazer. And so I've been blessed with lots of trailblazers in my life. And when I decided real estate syndication was the direction I wanted to go um, as a career to serve investors, um, I actually decided to pay for a mentorship. <laughs> a lot of people mm -hmm. ask me, you know, is it worth paying for and things like that? But I really believe in ensuring that if you're on a new path, that you have somebody that you know, like trust that is going before you has gone before you um, and that you can replicate their model. Okay. And let, let's dig into that a bit deeper because um, I mean, I, I've paid for mentorship and coaching as well into in the tens of thousands of dollars. And I know some people think mm -hmm. like that's crazy, but what are your thoughts on that versus what you oh, pay wow. for a, a lot of other things like college educations and things of that nature? What are your thoughts on that? Right. This is a common conversation. Um, people ask me this often as well. And when I answer them, it, 
it makes sense. If you invest in yourself, if you can learn the very best ways, the practices, the habits, the skills, the thinking behind something, the sooner you can learn that, the sooner you can actually go out and achieve. And by achieve for me, for me personally, that means I can go out and help more people. Um, for some people, it comes in dollars and cents, and there are dollars and cents associated with that. But ultimately, you're able to accomplish what you want sooner. So I think it's extremely important to pay for something. It also keeps us um, in check. Because when I get something for free, I appreciate it. And I am definitely grateful for it. But when I am paying for something, I, I'm showing up. <laughs> I'm not going, I'm not going to let it go to waste. Think about this. How many people, if you go to a ski resort and they pay, you know, anywhere from 80 to $150 for the lift ticket, they're just out there. I want to get as many runs as I can. I got to make this count, right? Because they, they valued it. And so when you are paying any level, any amount of money for something, that's the value you are going to place upon it. So that's also a serious, a seriousness check. How serious are you about this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and again, like, yeah, when you give away something for free, you just tend not to put that much value on it, right? Like you're walking down the street and somebody hands you something. I mean, how much value do you put on that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels great. Gives the warm fuzzies. But, you know, 20 minutes later, are you still feeling that same way? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. And tell me about, so, and you also have a podcast, Ask Me How I Know. Can you talk I a little bit about that and what, what's behind this, the scenes on that? Yes, I love podcasting. I, I absolutely love what I do there. So over on Ask Me How I Know, Multifamily and Mindset, it's a casual conversations before they were the trendy thing to do as out there having casual conversations with investors about their journey, about what they're accomplishing. Sometimes it's on a, on a professional level so that we can actually learn the thinking behind something. Um, but it, at the time it was really a unique podcast and filling a niche, a, a niche, like a hole in the podcast niche. Um, and then tackling the mindset component. I am a million percent sold out that, um, you know, your attitude determines your outcome. Your thinking is going to determine how you can, um, serve the world, the capacity that you can show up in. And so I really um, work strategically to empower people to be able to shift the line in their thinking so that they can show up and be successful. Okay, excellent. And now, how long have you been doing that podcast now? Wow, a year and a half. I cannot even believe it. So we're, I think we're around 160 episodes in. I say we, because I have the very best guests on the planet. And I'm sure you feel that same way about your show. Um, it's so exciting to have, to be able to showcase people. And honestly, I wish I could have a daily podcast because there are so many people, I have to say, um, the recording schedule is filled right now, but I I have you, I have you and I will reach out to you. And I do, I always circle back and reach out to people, but um, so many amazing people with so much to offer. So we're at 160 ish episodes and 
we're not stopping anytime soon. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's, there's so many people doing amazing things out there to talk to and showcase. I mean, you, what are you doing, one weekly or bi-weekly or twice a week? Yeah, so I release on Mondays. The Monday Mindset episode comes out, and that episode example this on this particular week I happen to be tackling the difference between busy and productive and I think that's a really it's a very subtle shift to make in how we're speaking and communicating and how we're thinking about ourselves but it also shifts the line so really taking so Monday's Monday's mindsets and then Thursday's I release an episode with someone within the real estate industry um, particularly commercial real estate but just allowing us to open up our minds in different ways. Okay, and if um if we're not preempting your Monday podcast, what let's talk about the difference between being productive and busy. Can you talk about well, that a little? Oh yeah, I can. It's actually out there. It's live right now, and I want this is hilarious. Some a gentleman asked me uh, when I was at the gym with my husband at O Dark Thirty this morning. Um, <laughs> he said, "Oh hey Julie, you staying busy?" <laughs> and I just said. I'm not busy. I'm productive. <laughs> and it was funny. I kind of, and then I told him, I said, Oh, I just released an episode on the difference between productive and busy. And I think it's really important. So poor guy got to hear a little bit of the podcast <laughs> live. <laughs> I told my husband that was a wrong week for somebody to ask me this question. You know, am I busy? Really the difference between busy and productive is how are we thinking about what it is that we are doing? So if we're scrambling around and we don't have clarity, we don't have focus, and we're simply going through motions, we are going to be categorized as busy. If you are clear about what you're doing, for example, we're on this podcast, we're recording right now. I knew that. And so I accomplished certain tasks prior to this recording because I know what my day looks like. So I'm being very strategic with my time usage, with the activities that I am engaging in and what I'm going about to ensure that I'm using my time well, my energy well, all of my resources um, so that I can show up effectively. Okay, I, hear, I can hear you now. Did you, okay. Could you hear that? Yeah, I cut, cut in and out a little bit, but yeah, I'll get you back now. Sorry about that. Okay. Oh, no problem. I get it. I get interesting internet connections. Yeah, definitely. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Do you want me to go back and restate anything? Um, no, I think I caught the most of that. So I think we're okay. And we can just edit around what, what kind of went out. So that's fine. Okay. So yeah, let's, so let's talk about where you are now versus where you started from. How, how much um, do you think you've grown in the time that you started investing in real estate up to this point? And what do you think brought about most of that growth? Fantastic question. I was just telling my husband this morning, I'm so much more confident now than I was in the past. And that confidence comes from making connections within your network and growing professionally, taking the time to educate yourself. And honestly, the people in my community that I do daily life with, 
they they haven't seen much of me and they they've commented you know wow i mean this seems to be all you do and so i've been really when it comes to making the shift from the residential space into the um, syndication space and commercial real estate i've really become what probably appears to be as obsessed and just extremely focused to grow in order to grow the learning and the knowledge base. I already have a real estate base, so it's filling in the gaps and making some mental shifts so that I, you know, every deal is structured well. So that I think is a huge shift that has happened. It's definitely happened through the coaching program that I chose to go through through um, engaging with people on LinkedIn and other social media platforms and actually connecting them in, you know, a virtual space, meetup groups and such. All of those activities have just culminated in opportunity. And so all of the opportunities that I'm currently working on are a complete byproduct of all of my efforts to learn and grow within the, um, within the industry. Extremely important. Okay. And, and throughout that growth, I mean, something I've experienced, um, how have you, let's see, how have you maintained and managed your friendships as you've grown? And like, say you have certain friends that aren't really growing with you. How do, how do you filter that? Or how do you manage that? That's a, Really interesting question. I've tackled this a lot on my podcast with the concept of uh, Tony Robbins says, you know, some friends are there for a reason. Some people are there for a season and some people are there for a lifetime and under accepting that, accepting that everyone in your life, we play a role in their life and they play a role in our life. It doesn't make somebody good or bad, or I have to not like them or, you know, but we are, we should, in my opinion, always be growing as human beings throughout our lifetime. And as we grow, think about this. Are you the same person you were 10 years ago? Right. Right. So we're, we're, yeah. So you think about, well, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have the friends that I have, I still have some, you know, friends. I have some, my lifetime friends, right? But those friendships are going to either evolve or they're naturally going to say, oh, that was a friendship for a season. And I have these, you know, now I have some other friends that I'm sharing this season with, and maybe some of those will be lifetime friends. You never know. But I think really understanding and accepting that relationships are also dynamic and that's okay. Definitely, definitely great stuff there. Yeah, I mean, I've run into that question a lot of times on several of my podcasts as well. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that, but absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I, I'm, I keep wanting to, you know, reverse, reverse podcast you and ask you questions. But I honestly, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It's an interesting topic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same with me. I mean, I think, um, yeah, like some of the friends I had 10 years ago, yeah, like those those evolve and they develop. Maybe some I don't talk to as much now. We're still in touch through maybe Facebook or LinkedIn. And there's friendships I have now that with people I talk to every day and that are more, right. suited, more suited to what I'm doing now versus what I was doing 10 years ago. And again, like you said, those evolve over time as you grow. 
that's mm-hmm. just gonna it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna develop and some people you're gonna are gonna move away from your life and some people are gonna be into your be in your life more than they were so I kind of I agree with you totally yeah I think it's really interesting to when you do some personal reflecting and it's easiest for most people to look to the past self, maybe five, 10 or 15 years in the past to see the change, but to be in tune with the the changes that are more current, you know, within the last six months or year and to see, Oh, I've, I've changed a lot since I started, you know, my journey into the syndication space, I've changed significantly. And it doesn't mean my friend, Anthony, Vecino, he has this analogy and he says, you know, you're going to show up. um, You're always the same person. He has a car analogy, right? And you get into a car and you drive it. It's still the same driver. Maybe you're driving a Lamborghini. Maybe you're driving a Pinto. Doesn't matter what you're driving. the, The car, that's just a vehicle. It's just a shell. The person is still the same. And so I can see that I'm still the same person. I'm just shifting and evolving along the way. And how has that worked so far? So one thing I've noticed in my evolving is, especially a lot of my family who've known me forever, they still tend to look at me who I was, you know, 40 years ago or 45 years ago. Are you, are you the same Donald Thomas that lived on Tampa? I'm like, no, absolutely not. That's, I mean, I am technically, but yeah, I've grown tremendously since then. And I would hope that you wouldn't want me to be that same person either. So. Isn't that the truth? I think that all the time. I think, well, I mean, we're never going to be perfect people. We're always going to have some edges that need to be refined and just accepting that and saying, but man, I'm sure glad I'm who I am today and not who I was 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about, um, so I know you have the company Three Keys Investments. And so, of course, you, 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 you have investors who you deal with. So let, let's talk about investors a little bit. What, what, since you started Three Keys Investment, um, what has been your biggest challenge and biggest nirvana moment as far as communicating with investors learning what they want and giving them returns they're looking for? For me, and I honestly believe I'm speaking for most people as well, it's believing in myself. And that sounds so wild. You know, it should be, hey, um, I, I should be able to have these returns or this or that. But honestly, no one will take you seriously until the moment you believe in yourself. And that has been the biggest struggle to be confident. And I am pretty, I am by nature, a fairly confident person. However, you have to have that inward belief that I can do this. And I know what I'm talking about. I know this is going to help the person. And that right there was the biggest shift that I was, I had to make. Yeah, very true. Because I mean, you hear a lot that investors have to trust you but yeah in order for them to trust you they have to know they have yeah they have to know you believe in yourself that has to come across it has to transfer right it does grant cardone love him or hate him it doesn't matter (laughs) for the record i love that guy love him he wrote this book sell or be sold 
I hope everybody was, I, I hope you listen to that book or read the book. His audiobooks are hilarious because he reads them with his grandiose and adds some little asides in there, which are really fun. But that book really states like you have to be sold out on whatever it is that you believe in, in order, if you want it, others to believe in it, and you have an expectation for others to get behind you on something, you have to be completely sold out on that as well. And sometimes we have to sell ourselves on ourselves and say, why would someone want to work with me? What do I have to offer? And oftentimes we're most critical of ourselves and we have to put that person aside and sell ourselves on who we are because we're dang so many amazing people out in there in the world. And if you're listening to this, I guarantee you're an awesome person. <laughs> I, I just, I already know that. And so just knowing that and not just saying, Hey, I'm awesome. As you look in the mirror, but identify those character traits in you and sell yourself on who you are and what you have to offer. And in, in doing that, did you have to um, master that, that nagging inner voice that, you know, that wants to make doubt creep in or question yourself? Is that something you had to master? I hope that voice never goes away. It's a good voice. There's another, um, another book. I think it was Michael Neal's book, um, called super coach. I think he describes that Everybody has to have an antagonist. It could have been Donald Miller's book story brand also, but you have to have a dissenting voice and learning to use that dissenting voice for strength is becomes a superpower. So when that voice shows up, how do you respond? Because you're going to catch that voice from the crowds, whether you like it or not, and you have to be able to respond to it. And so if you can respond to your own inner critic in a positive way and overcome that, you're that much more ahead of overcoming the obstacles and the voices from the peanut gallery called life. Wow, that is really good. I've never heard that articulated that way, but that is very, very excellent. Very good. Yeah, like I said, it's an extrapol my my personal extrapolation on either Michael Neal or Donald Miller. <laughs> I read a lot. I run a five-week book club, and that was not intended. I wasn't intending to start a book club of any kind but I needed some outside accountability for some changes I wanted in my life in 2021. And um, I wanted to implement Brenda Burchard's high performance habits, that model and framework into my life. And so I just corralled some people into reading this book. And next thing you know, we're entering book number six. So um, reading is so powerful. If you're not reading, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're slowing your game down. So get into a book, audio, audio books count also. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I'm a voracious reader. So I'm, yeah, I'm just one after another, usually two or three a month. So you're definitely right. Mm -hmm. If you're not, if you're not reading, you're not growing. If I could go back 15 years, that's, well, honestly, I, I've only been a voracious reader for the last two, three years. So if I could go back in time, that is definitely one thing I would have changed in myself. I would have had myself reading quality books all the time because it shifts the line. If you're on a football field, it's like, you know, 
you're going 50 yards in a month. It's wild. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. Yeah, I, I wish I had been reading in my early 20s. Like I start, I probably started to like in 2018 where I really started seriously reading a mm -hmm. lot of books. But yeah, I wish I had been doing that 20 years ago. So if oh, you're yeah. a young one listening right now, you you youngsters, <laughs> get reading. <laughs> yeah, get to reading. Self-help, business books, any of those. Mm -hmm. Get to reading. Okay, excellent, Julie. Um, so yeah, why don't we hop into the lightning round? Sounds great. Let's put you into the hot seat. All right. My inner critic is ready. <laughs> All right. So what book or books? have greatly influenced your life? That is a long list. Uh, I would <laughs> say right now, I interviewed um, Tyler Devenhall. I hope I'm saying his, his last name correctly. I always say it incorrectly. And he referenced the book, The Alchemist. Oh, and okay. I would say that for this year, so far that has been one of the most pivotal books. Uh, if you haven't read it, have you read it? Yeah, absolutely. I read it. Was it late 20, 2019? Yeah, excellent book. It is so good. If you're listening to this, pick up the audio version of The Alchemist. It is a phenomenal audio book. It is fantastic for kids. It is a story with so much depth and insight. And no matter where you are in your personal growth and development, it will help you reflect and make the most of everything that you are experiencing or you have already experienced. So the, I would say for this year, that's my favorite book. And that's tough because I have a lot of favorite books. And if you're listening and you want to have the, my best books reading list, it's available at julieholly.com. Um, and it's ever growing. I update the list a couple times a year. Awesome. I'll have to check that out myself. I'll go in there and look for that. Yeah. And then let me know if you have some books that I always take recommendations. So at the very end, there are books that are on my, you know, in my shopping cart type thing, you know, books that were recommended to me that I really want to go after. All right, Vicka, I'll do that actually. And um, you know what? And I'm going to copy you. I'm going to create that same type of list and put it on my, put it on my site as well. That's actually a great idea. It, it really is because we're reading so often. It's great to have most of my books come from recommendations from others. And I take recommendations seriously, especially from people like you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And likewise. All right. So Julie, how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? Uh, you've never failed until you start until you stop trying. That's what Albert Einstein says. Um, and I, I fail forward every single time. And so I'm sure many people, including yourself, can relate that we've we're all going to get knocked down in life from time to time. Like that's just the nature of life. It's not like you become this adult. You turn 18. You enter the adulthood, quote unquote. And it's easy going. No, it's running a gauntlet and you're going to get kicked down, going to get some bruises, scrapes and all of that. Every single obstacle I have encountered has allowed me to 10x every single time. But that happens because I am willing to and I strive to see myself authentically. So where could I have shown up better? What more could I have done? Maybe something is outside my, my power. 
you know, how could I have responded to that person in a better way? What could I um, have seen or learned in advance that could have prevented this? So every, if you are willing to learn when you are getting knocked around, those are the moments you learn. You don't learn when you're on the mountaintop, right? Like if yeah. you think about somebody making their way up Everest for, you know, to be a little cliche here, if somebody is heading up Everest, they're facing all of the struggles as they're, they're passing the crevasses and they're going through ice fields and all these things up to the top. And when they get to the summit and they have their flag, granted, we all know there's wind up there and such, but they plant their flag and they get the moment. And in that moment on the mountaintop, it's all, we know it's dangerous. So I'm not diminishing the danger of being on top of Everest, right? But you're on the mountaintop of Everest. It's beautiful. You see the scenery, but then you have to come back down. So you can't stay on Everest forever. And as you're going up in your journey, as you're climbing through, like making progress on your journey, you're going to have moments where you can pause and enjoy the roses, but you're going to come back down and you're constantly going to be facing different challenges. And those challenges prepare you for the future. I, I can't think of uh, a week that doesn't present some challenge in my life that allows me to grow. And I welcome them. I don't say I like them, but I do welcome them. Beautifully said, beautifully said. Okay, and if you can have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Gosh, it would say be you. Everybody right now is trying to be an imposter of some, some type. I, okay. I, that's too serious. I can't say everybody, but so many people are not living an authentic life. And that means they're living an imposter life and they're trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment. How can you find satisfaction and fulfillment when you're not being yourself? So I really encourage people um, as often as I can to find what it is inside of them that drives them, that is really them. Oftentimes it is something that we've had from the moment we were a child and it was raw material and the adults in our life, oftentimes unintentionally, they're not trying to hurt us, but they often criticize it or try to shape it how they think it needs to be shaped because it's raw material and it doesn't always come out great. I have a son, he's super strong willed. That's his superpower. And we're trying to, to mold him and shape him carefully to not break him. Right. Mm -hmm. And so being able to go back to when I was, you know, who were you when you were a child? What drove you? What excited you find that authentic space and, and grow into who you are. Stop trying to be someone else. Be you. Excellent. I love that. Okay. And what, um, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Wow. Did you see that actually made me think that's a, <laughs> a great question. It's a very thoughtful question. I would say reading has shifted my life tremendously and for high performers in high achievers in life, 
sometimes being in a book and being able to digest that in a quiet mental space allows, allows you to shift those lines in life. Um, and I think that that's really what's taken place for me. And honestly, believing in myself, I was not taught to believe in myself. And I honestly had a battle with that concept. And so through reading, and that really just opened up a whole new world to me to receive myself the good parts. And I focused, I received all the flaws of myself for years, but I didn't receive the good parts. And so receiving myself as a whole person and saying, wow, this is who I am. And this is how people see me and, um, and accepting that instead of being too critical. Yeah, and I can relate. I, I totally wasn't taught that as a child as well. So that's one thing I want to try to pass on to my child to make sure they have that early on and not let the world beat that out of them, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, wonderfully said. Thanks, Julie. And what are bad recommendations you hear in your day-to-day for people new to entrepreneurship or investing? Just, just do it. You just got to do it. Like, yes, you do need to take action, but taking action doesn't mean putting money on the line and risking things. So right now, having been raised around real estate, I've been, I've lived through real estate cycles and I also see so much ego out there. So I would say, don't let other people influence your journey in in a wrong way, meaning your ego should not be connected to how many doors you have (laughs) and how many deals you've closed and such, because really at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have a bunch of doors that don't produce any income. And it doesn't matter if you have a bunch of assets that are poorly managed because you are ill-equipped. So ensuring that you understand what your goals are and stick to those goals and those values, regardless of what the peanut gallery is telling you. So I've had a lot of people, you know, tell me like, oh, you just need to do, you know, you just need to do this. You just need to do that. And I've grown a lot of self-confidence to say, I don't think that's going to work out well. And I see some things not working out well for people. And it makes me very, it reaffirms I'm on the right path. Okay, very good. All right, and here's one of my favorite. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you usually do? I will do one of two things because when you're feeling that way, it could go, it could go either way. So there are times where I will simply say, I am completely distracted and unfocused, and I'm just going to go get on my mountain bike or go do whatever with my family for a couple of hours. And if I do that and just simply give myself permission to take that time, I can come back to the task and knock it out because there is no sense in trying to just sit there and grind through a task when you're mentally distracted. It's going to take five times as long or longer. So I've learned, and that has been something I've learned probably even over the last six months that it's okay to step away 
and to come back and re-engage. Um, the other technique that I use is I have my planner. I know what I'm looking to accomplish in a day, in the year, in the month, in the day. And then I can just simply look back at my planner and say, where am I at? I'm distracted. Whoops. Let's see. What is it I need to be working on? What productive tasks do I need to dive into right now? Okay. Very good. All right. And so one of the best books I read this year was called The Art of Saying No. You know, it talks, about, talks about liberating yourself from feeling you need to do everything that you're, that you're asked to do. I love it. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you, what have you in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? I've, I honestly, I've learned to say no. So I have a friend that gave me a book because I used to be a yes person. And I think that'd be about eight years ago now. She gave me this book and, and it wasn't a question. She said, you need to read this. <laughs> and it was called... <laughs> Uh, Your Best Yes by Lisa uh, Turkhurst. And that book was kind of the same concept of when you say yes, it needs to be your best. You need to be committed to that yes. It needs to be the best yes. Similar, I probably to the concept of it's okay to say no to things. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've honestly said no to more things than I would prefer to say yes to. Um, there have been times where I've had to say no uh, to mountain biking, which is a huge part of my life, uh, because I needed to show up in a different way somewhere else. Um, so learning, really being clear, this is what I want to emphasize. When you understand what it is you are after in life, when you have clarity around that, it allows you to say yes or to say no and to feel great about that answer. Like you might prefer it going one way or another, but you know that that answer is in alignment with your um, vision, mission, purpose in life. And if you say no to something when you should have said yes, you feel that inside and it kind of haunts you a little bit. We've all had that. I, I can't imagine anyone listening who has not had that feeling. So, yeah. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you have to lean into that and say, really trust your intuition. And that's coming from that clarity of planning and knowing where you want to go. All right. So good. So good. All right. And last one. This is um, what I actually got from Tim Ferriss. So what important truth do very, pe very few people agree with you on? Social media and meetup groups and such do produce real, meaningful, and powerful relationships. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people that are that are understanding that and seeing that, but I don't think the mass majority is actually completely, wholeheartedly convinced of that. So they might say it on the on the macro, oh yeah, in the nicey nice sort of way. Like, oh, yeah, of course. But to internalize it on a deeper level, not many people have internalized that. And some of the best people in my life and, and 
greatest friends are people that I have met through social media platforms. Yeah, definitely. I think you and I even met networking on LinkedIn. Yes. Yes. That's my favorite. Yeah. So I was very blessed to have met you there. So definitely, I definitely agree with you there. All right. Awesome, Julie. Awesome. This was very good. Very great having you on today. Um, So before we hop off, if anybody wants to connect with you or get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? The number one best way would be to go to juliehawley.com and you can connect there. You can schedule a time and uh, hop on my calendar and we can connect that way. If you just want to say, well, Julie, are you really legit? <laughs> Go over to LinkedIn and, and just look look me up. You'll see there's a picture of a mountain bike included in the whole thing. So um, I would say those are the two, two best ways. If you're ready for a conversation, just head over and schedule a conversation. I love meeting new people. Um, and I ask also, if you don't mind, I have, um, I do coach people, but I only coach very serious people. And I only... Um, take on five clients at a time. And I happen to have, I don't know when this will be released, but I do have two, two openings that are coming up and it's a short-term commitment to help people shift the line. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I can attest guys, she's legitimate and she's the real deal. So (laughs) if you're questioning that, don't, don't question at all. (laughs) Yeah. Consistency is key. You know what? I will throw this out there also, maybe just as a, a side is that, I laugh because content creators, I don't think you can be an uh, inauthentic person and be a content creator because you're going to stumble at some point. So when you've been creating content for a a prolonged period of time, you can definitely, your true colors show. (laughs) I'm like, I always tell people that, oh, you can just check back, check all the social media. Yeah, definitely. Right. Because you can see how it's received. Right. So it's, it's almost, I would say a similar to your you're mountain biking or running. It's just you. When you're, you're on the mountain bike or when you're running, it's just you and the elements, right? You can talk about what you do, but once you get out there, it's your endurance versus the environment. And it's the same thing kind of with content creating. When you're creating content, you can see how it's received out there. And, and not to say that how many likes you get is, is, a, is how you should judge yourself. But I mean, when you're putting content out there and you see how it's received, it tells you where you need to improve, right? Mm hmm. Yep, it does. Well, and also, I think it, it shows who you are. Um, and it's an interesting. It's a living document, really, of your progress and your journey. So true, so true. All right, well, excellent. And um, anything else you want to leave us with any parting words? Where's the wisdom before we hop off, Julie? Uh, I hope that this has encouraged and inspired listeners. Um, people are important and everyone has a, a valuable role to play in this world and you don't want to miss out on it. It makes for an adventurous life. It makes for a fulfilled life. And I hope that from anything that is taken from this, that this just really encourages you to go back to that point of authenticity in your life and discover it. You will never be happier. 
Absolutely. And, and real quick, Julie, how, where can they find um, your podcast? Ask me how I know. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, you can head over to julieholly.com. All things, anything I do, I do lots of things. It's all housed. And that's why I put it under my name. So it's all housed there at julieholly.com. Um, but you can find Ask Me How I Know Multifamily and Mindset on any of your favorite podcast directories. Um, so wherever you're listening to this, you can find the podcast and sub subscribe to it. You can go also to the YouTube channel. And if you prefer watching and um, listening and having subtitles, that's there as well. And I also created playlists with just short clips from different guests that I've had. And there's a mindset playlist. There's also a playlist over on YouTube for, you know, apartment apartment investing made simple. So if you're interested in apartment investing, that you really want it broken down into plain old fashioned English <laughs> into simple terms. That's what I did over there because I have a lot of um, investors that are new to the process and it helps you understand the term. So I used to feel dumb. I don't know about you, but I used to feel a little bit, I felt dumb because people throw these terms in this lingo out there. And yeah, I, so right. yeah. I wanted to create a tool to help others um, overcome that obstacle. Oh, that is so needed. See, guys, I told you she's she's awesome and the real deal. So yeah, definitely get over there to julieholly.com and check her out. Fantastic. Thank you All right, so Julie. much. Again, yeah, so wonderful having you on the show. I know it's been a long time in the making. So thanks for taking the time today. And we'll definitely oh. be in touch soon. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you were gracious when <laughs> I totally spaced our first meeting and you're just so gracious and kind. And I appreciate everything that you are producing over on LinkedIn. It's encouraging and inspiring. And uh, your voice is just powerful in this world. Ah, thank you so much, Julie. That's so great to hear. All right, Julie. So yeah, we'll be talking again very soon. Again, thanks for coming on. You have a great day. And a blessed Thank week. you. Thank you. Shine on. All right. Take care. Bye. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves.